you know, I, I need to preach on Palm Sunday, but the missionary came out of me and said, you know, what you, oh, you had planned is better than that. So um, we'll see if we can mix it up a little bit and everything. Actually, this morning I want to preach from Genesis to Revelation. Is that all right? Now, hopefully I can do it in a few minutes. The book of Revelation, there's a verse that I love to hear and I love to talk about it. And John the Revelator saw a vision. And when he saw in this vision, he wrote about it in the book of Revelation. And in the seventh chapter, verses 9 and 10, he said this. He said, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could number or no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. A crowd so large that no one can number. That's exciting. I've been in some large crowds. And, you know, for some people, crowds are scary. They don't like them. You know, crowds don't bother me as long as they're peaceful. I love large crowds. I can be in large crowds. And, and you know, it's exciting. You know, and I've been in some large, but I don't think I've ever been in one so large that somebody couldn't count it. You know, in, in Tanzania, we try to teach our pastors and our evangelists to be honest. So what we do is that when we, we teach them that if they want to count their crowds, you know, to, to advertise how big of a crowd they have, you know, to count a small portion of it and then just multiply that throughout the crowd and they can get an estimate. You know, one crusade I was at, there were over 4,000 people and so we had to get just an estimate because it was very difficult to count 4,000 individual bodies. You know, the Bible says this crowd's going to be so large that no one can count it. Now, sometimes when I look at scripture verses like this and everything, I, I, my question that comes to my mind is, where did this all start? How did we get to this place? How do we get to this crowd in heaven? Well, the starting point is way back in the book of Genesis. So thus, we're going to preach from Genesis to Revelation this morning. In the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, we see that God created the earth. You all know the creation story. There were six days that God created the different things, and on the seventh day, he rested, and, and you know, he created Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden, and Everything was peaceful, everything was good, and Adam was given the responsibility to name all the animals, and how'd you like that job? You know, why did they call a cow a cow? You know, a pig a pig, you know. Adam's to blame for all of that. He named all the animals, and somewhere got down through the translations, but Adam had this responsibility. Then came that one fateful day, or that one bad day of, Adam and Eve sin. And immediately when they sin, there became a separation between them and God. The scripture verse there talks about Adam and Eve running and hiding. 
They actually separated themselves from God. And, and friends, let me tell you something. I like to describe sin and separation from God as this way. God never moved. Notice in Genesis that God did the exact same thing that day as he did every other day. There was no change in what God did. He came down in the cool of the day just like he always did, and he expected to see Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Eve who hid and separated themselves from God. Sin will separate mankind from God. And so whenever we look at sinners, whenever we look at somebody that is out there lost in their sins, they have separated themselves from God. And I want you to notice with me right here in the beginning of the book of Genesis that we see the first evangelistic service. What does God do? He comes down and he seeks after Adam and Eve, the lost mankind of this world. He calls out to them. He does more than just look for them. He calls out to them. He cries out, Adam, Eve, where are you? And he goes to find them where they're at. This is a picture of true evangelism. This is a picture of of what God really intends to happen with the lost. Now, he would have rather sin had never happened to begin with. He would have rather that Adam and Eve had, had been victorious over sin and everything stayed the way it was in the garden. But because sin did come, he set up a plan of evangelism, of reconciling Adam and Eve back to him. And he went looking for them. And as we go on through the New Old Testament, we see all the Old Testament scriptures, and this is how we're going to get from the Genesis to Revelation so quickly is that we're going to group it all together. Throughout all of the Old Testament, we see that God gives the responsibility to his chosen people. He gives the responsibility to the Israelites. When the lost. Let the people of the world know about me. We see that in a few cases, this happens. But in most cases, the children of Israel, they do the opposite. Instead of proclaiming Jesus or God to the world that they live in, they accept the gods of the world and they go against God. They actually sin themselves, and they go deeper in the sin, and, and they even drive a deeper wedge between them and God. And remember again, God doesn't move. He stays still. He is always there. It's mankind that keeps moving further and further and further away from God. And so we see that God keeps after the children of Israel. He brings them back to him, and then they leave him again. And he brings them back to him, and they leave him again. And this goes throughout the whole Old Testament. Till finally, God says, enough. I've got to do something permanent. We come to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is where Jesus comes on the scene. 
You know, and the exciting thing about Jesus is that he really came for three reasons. The first thing we know very clearly, he came to die for our sins. He came to be the ultimate sacrifice. That wedge that's between man and God, God uh, Jesus came to bridge that gap. And he did it on the cross. The second reason that Jesus came was to confront the Israelites. To let them know that he was the Messiah. And to hopefully bring them back into the right place that they needed to be with God. We see again the Israelites failed God and rejected Jesus. The third reason that Jesus came was to carry on the tradition of evangelism. Because you see, God never intended for it to stop. So Jesus selected 12 people, and he trained them, and he taught them. They were with him on that faithful day that we celebrate on this Sunday when he rode into Jerusalem, when they were waving the palm branches and everything. And, you know, the only problem with that day was was that the disciples kind of got a little confused and mixed up. They thought that Jesus was going to build an earthly kingdom. And that's what Palm Sunday was really being set up for, was they were issuing their new king into Jerusalem. And they thought that Jesus was going to set up a kingdom here on earth and do away with the Roman Empire and you know, free them from the Roman you know, domination. And they were all excited about this earthly kingdom when really Jesus was trying to teach them that this has nothing to do with an earthly kingdom. One of the things that I'm going to be teaching a lot when I go back to Tanzania is I'm going to be teaching my pastors whether or not they're, they are building their kingdom or they're busy about doing the kingdom work, the kingdom work of God. The disciples soon realized that Jesus wasn't here to build an earthly kingdom, that he was here to do the kingdom work. He was here to do the work of his father. He was here to seek and to save those that were lost. Shortly after Jesus dies, all of a sudden the light bulbs start coming on and these disciples and they realize, wow, this is what we're really supposed to do. So they got busy and they started reaching out to the lost world. They started in Jerusalem right where they were at. They did a great job in Jerusalem. They reached North Jerusalem. They covered it very well. They sent some guys down to southern Jerusalem, and they reached southern Jerusalem. And from there, the guys there sent somebody over in East Jerusalem and West Jerusalem. And finally, they all four merged on city center, and they did an inner city work. They forgot what God told them. You see, Jesus taught them a lot of verses and everything, and one of the ones that he taught them is recorded in all four Gospels, and it's at the end of all four Gospels. You can find the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. You can find it in Mark, the 16th chapter, verses 15 through 18, in Luke 24, 46 through 49, and then in John, you can find it in chapter 20, verse 21, and along with that one in John goes Acts 1.8. My wife loves the one that is in Matthew's gospel, the 20th chapter, 
she says it says best there when it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the ends of the ages. The disciples got so wrapped up in being in their Jerusalem that they forgot to go to the rest of the world. So God brought persecution their way. And, you know, it's amazing. Persecution comes our way. It sometimes will drive us out to do what God's called us to do. Sometimes we take persecution as a bad thing, and many a times it brings about good. It's amazing how strong the church gets when it's persecuted. But in Jerusalem, when the church got persecuted, it drove them out of Jerusalem, and they started reaching the rest of the world. They started going in all parts of the world. Paul even took the gospel message all the way down into Africa, and we can record way back that the Ethiopian church is strong today because of the work that Paul did in the very beginning in Ethiopia. Evangelism is very important to God. The early church got involved in evangelism. It sent out leaders like Paul, Barnabas. Many of the disciples went out and they preached and they taught in every place they was imagined. They listened to Jesus when he talked about Acts 1.8. They received the power of the Holy Spirit and they went out and they became witnesses. And it's amazing that they spread the gospel and all throughout the ages, the church has been responsible for carrying out evangelism. Because you see, if revelation is going to come true, evangelism has to go on. If we are going to stand there in that large crowd that no one can number of every nation, of every tribe, of every people. Evangelism has to go on. So we see that it has throughout the ages. Oprah Redden, a teacher that I had in Bible college, she taught us Acts. In the very beginning of the class, she went through a series and taught us how that the church one group or another kept Pentecost alive all throughout the ages. All the way from the day of Pentecost, all the way up to the modern age, she showed us that one group after another kept Pentecost alive. And the world kept being reached with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Today, it's our turn. It's become our responsibility. This is one of the things that we teach the Tanzanian church, is that we got to reach the lost. we got to reach the Muslims of Tanzania. we got to reach the people that are in their former beliefs in Tanzania. we got to reach all the other religions in Tanzania, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Mormons, everybody. We need to share that Jesus Christ loves them and that he died for them and that there's a God who created them for a purpose and a reason of serving him. We teach them that they have to go out and do it. It's difficult because, you see, the Muslims have persecuted them. The Muslims are the ones who 
who try to always kill them and, and to take over their country and everything. And they see all that's going on around them and they don't want to reach out to the Muslims. The witch doctors have tricked them and, and hounded them and they still are. At our Bible school, we'll have witch doctors come and they'll hang fetishes all around our campus. They'll curse our campus and they'll claim every bad thing that happens to our campus was because they cursed it. Our students will go out and they'll lay hands on all those little pieces of paper and everything and they'll pray for them. And they'll have a revival on campus because of their prayers. And they'll take the little fetishes and they'll throw them back over the fence and they'll invite the witch doctor to come in and pray with them. Because you see, even the witch doctors need to hear the gospel message. So the Tanzanian church has decided we're going to do something about this. We're going to plant 10,000 churches in spite of what they want us to do. And, you know, when you think about 10,000 churches in 10 years, that's a lot of churches. How are we going to do it? Well, Jeffrey Leguisha, pastor that pastors right down the hill from my home, he pastors a church called Krumah Valley Christian Center. He took the church from his father when his father passed away, and he's been pastoring this church, and he has three services every Sunday morning. He has packed that church out, and he keeps adding the service. His third service is nothing but young people. They pack the place out with youth, and he has a youth service for them. A couple years ago, Jeffrey took out the whole back wall of the church, and he put roll-up doors in. And every Sunday morning, he rolls up the back of the church, and they set people all the way out to the street. And I keep telling him, Jeffrey, you need to build a new church. You got the land, build a new church. And he says, missionary, I am building churches. I built one in that village, in that village, in that village, in that village. Last year, Jeffrey built 12 churches, planted those churches, placed pastors in them. Bought the plot of land, and he built a church on it, and he built a small home for the pastor, and he is committed to support that church for two years. This is the way we're going to reach Tanzania with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This year, I asked Jeffrey, I said, what's your goal? What are you going to do? He says, our goal this year is to plant 50 churches. He's divided his church up into 50 different groups. And he's given each group a responsibility to go out and plant a church, to buy a plot, to build a building, and place a pastor out there. Not only is he going to do 50 churches, but the 12 churches that he did last year, all 12 of them have a responsibility from him to go out and plant at least one church themselves. But this year... Jeffrey LaGuisha is going to plant 62 churches all around Tanzania. Reaching out into villages that don't have the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Reaching out in places that need to hear about Jesus. You see, this evangelism that God has given us has to go on. We have to keep planting churches. We have to keep reaching the lost in Tanzania. It's the reason that Joyce and I keep going back to Tanzania. You know, it's not so easy to live in Tanzania. If we had time to tell you, we could tell you about the living conditions there. 
In Tanzania, we have to buy things like cornflakes, just a small box of them, almost $10. And not a very good brand of cornflakes at that rate. A little jar of peanut butter, $8. Anything packaged, anything, you know, like that or imported is very expensive. Anytime I go out to buy a tool, whatever you pay for it here in the States, I pay three times that much for it. It's very difficult. One of our missionaries keeps Facebooking, and they, they Facebook, we have electricity, so I'm getting this out. Because they've been without electricity for three days. One of our missionaries, she keeps calling us, you have water? We say, yeah, we got water. We got it in our reserve tank. Can I come take a shower? They've been out of water for four days. It's not easy. But we keep going back because there's a reason. We want to reach the lost of Tanzania. God has called us to reach the people of Tanzania. Everything that we do, no matter what it is, we try to gear it towards reaching the lost because that's what God's called us to do. One day I'm going to be standing in heaven. I'm going to be standing in this crowd that the book of Revelation talks about. And around me is going to be a whole host of Tanzanians. By the way, the Tanzanians firm believe that Swahili is going to be the heavenly language. So if you do not know Swahili, you better practice it. Get to know it. Because they're going to be singing and praising God in Swahili. They love their Swahili, and they're going to be worshiping God around the throne in Swahili. And I want that crowd to be so big that no one can count them. That's the reason Joyce and I are excited about being able to go back in May. After just doing a year of itineration, we're ready to get back there. We've got new leadership, and we're excited about working. We want to reach the lost. We want to see Tanzania come to Jesus so that that crowd in heaven can grow and grow and grow. But you see, we're not going to be there alone. Somewhere in that massive crowd of every language, of every tribe, of every people, there's going to be another group. And your pastor and his family is going to be standing in the middle of it. And many of you are going to be standing around him. And just a little bit I've got to know your pastor even just this morning. I believe I already know his heart. To know that he is not satisfied with the crowd that he has now. But he wants a larger crowd. In fact, if the truth was probably known, he probably wants a crowd so large that no one can number you. But you see, Joyce and I learned something a long time ago, even while we were pastoring. And that is, we can't do it alone. That's the reason we gladly come home on itineration and we travel around to churches and we invite you to become part of it. We invite you to, to get involved with us in missions in Tanzania by giving in your church and by supporting mission programs and by supporting us and praying for us because that gets us all working together. Your pastor also realizes that and he needs your help. 
to make that crowd larger and larger and larger, you're the ones that he's asked to go out and reach the lost. You're the ones that God has called to reach your world. My world is different in Tanzania. You know, I wake up in the morning, the sun comes up about the same time every morning. It sets about the same time every evening. Between 7 and 7.15, I know that sun's going to go down over the lake. All year round. Doesn't change. I know that five times a day or more, I'm going to hear the Muslim prayers called a prayer come up from the mosque down below us. When it's 7 o'clock, for some reason, my dogs don't like it, and they start howling. I live in a different world, but the world I live in, I want to reach. And the world that you live in, you need to reach. You might be the only preacher or the only teacher or the only evangelist that are in that world. And that's the reason that God has called you. He wants to reconcile all sinners to him. Jesus even taught us when he said, I would have it that none would be lost. That all would be saved. And that's the reason he called every believer to be one that goes out and reconciles or brings the sinners into him. So you see, we all have a responsibility, not just me and your pastor, but all we have a responsibility. And there's a good reason for that. You see, your pastor only sees a certain amount of people. He sees those that are in his sphere or his world. You, on the other hand, See a whole different group of people. The people you work with. You know, he banks at one bank, but these people over here bank at all kinds of different other banks. He shops at one grocery store, and all these over here shop at different grocery stores. God wants us to reach all people. Not just all languages and tribes and everything around the world, but all people right here. In all areas. And in order to do that, we all got to be busy doing the Lord's work. So this morning, my question to you is simple. Are you busy working on your own kingdom? Are you busy working in God's kingdom? Reaching the lost. Making this crowd that we're going to be standing in larger and larger. This morning in closing, I want you to take a moment. And I want you to, in your mind, picture somebody that you know that is lost. I'm going to ask our worship team if they would. Okay, we're not going to do that. We're going to just simply ask you to think about somebody in your mind that is lost. Someone who you know doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. When you get that person in your mind this morning, I want you to do it for two reasons. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to pray for them. That God will send his Holy Spirit to convict them of their sins. The Bible clearly teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the drawing agent that draws them to salvation. 
So we need the Holy Spirit to convict them of their sins. So we want the Holy Spirit to go out and convict them of their sins. But the second thing we want to pray about this morning is that God will use us to reach them. That he will give you an opportunity to reach them. For some of you, you're saying, well, I can't reach them because I'm afraid. Or I don't have the right words. Or I don't have the abilities. Or I can't do that. Well, let's pray and ask God to help you overcome that. That God will give you a boldness to step out and to do that. Some of you say, well, they won't listen to me. They, they, they're, they just are not ready. Well, let's overcome that and let's ask God to help them to become ready by sending his Holy Spirit to convict them. And then the ultimate question we all have to answer is whether or not we'll do it. Whether or not we'll take the time. Some of you, this is very easy because I know some of you are great witnesses already. You have already reached a lot of lost people and your crowd that's already standing in heaven is great and it's going to be even greater. But I want to challenge you that now's not the time to stop. But we got to continue on. we got to keep going. Young people, hear me this morning. There are many young people that are suffering in sin, that are confused this morning. They're lost. They're hurting. They are being hounded by everything in this world, and they need you to reach out to them and share with them the fact that God can help them. And that Jesus can be a friend of theirs and can walk with them through this stuff. Moms and dads, you know how difficult it is to live even with God. Think about how difficult it is to live without him. We need to reach these lost people. This morning as we stand together, I want to pray for you. That God will help you as a church. That God will help you as an individual to not just think about this person this week and not just pray for them, but that some way, somehow, the opportunity will be open that you can go out and reach them. When Pastor talked about the bread earlier, I thought, man, that's, that's perfect connection. Use these loaves of bread as, as the open door. You don't want to use the bread, use something else. God will give you the perfect opportunity to reach the lost. He will do his part if we will do our part. Let's ask him to help us this morning. Lord, we thank you for this congregation. We thank you for this church and the work that they're doing here. It was exciting this morning to sit with the pastor and hear the good report of how this church is growing and how things are taking place here. And Lord, it's exciting to know that your kingdom is growing right here in this area because of this church, because of these people. But Lord, we need to realize this morning that we can't slow down. 
that we can't give up, that we can't quit now. We need to move forward, and we need to move forward in a greater way. We need to canvas this area with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We need to take loaves of bread and other things, and Lord, we need to open doors and reach lost souls. The harvest is great and it's ready to be picked. And Lord, the laborers are few. And Lord, because of it, we need to be busy. We need to work hard. We need to do our part. And Lord, we ask you right now to open up the hearts and the minds of this congregation and let them realize that you have called them to be laborers. That you have called them into your kingdom work. Help them, Lord. No matter what is in their way, no matter what is hindering them, no matter what is holding them back, remove it. Give them a boldness. Give them a quickness. Give them a wisdom, Lord, to go out and reach the lost. We know the harvest field is great. We know that the lost are out there. And, Lord, all we have to do is go out and gather it. Help us. To be great laborers for you. Lord, we ask you right now to send your Holy Spirit ahead of us. We know that the Holy Spirit is the one who draws mankind and so... We release the Holy Spirit right now to go out to everyone that we are thinking of this morning. To family members, to friends, to neighbors, to co-workers, to people we see in the gas station, to people in the bank. Lord, wherever we go this week, allow the Holy Spirit to go ahead of us and to witness to them ahead of us so that when we get to them, they will be ready to receive what we have to say. Lord, every time that we open our mouths this week and we proclaim you, let us see the results of that. Lord, we want to take a moment this morning and we want to rejoice. We want to give you praise and honor for what you have done, for what you're going to do, because we believe in faith that you're going to reach lost souls. We thank you for it all, Lord, in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Before we take off, we have two tools this week to help you to make a difference. The first, of course, every family, we want you to come and grab a loaf of bread that's either for you or for you to take. There's a card on it um, that basically describes the Gateway Church, who we are, who we're striving to be. We would love for you to give that to someone or enjoy it as your family. No pressure either way. The second thing is on your seats, we have put a set of five business cards. This is an opportunity for you to give one of these to people that you uh, would like to invite to church, to invite them for Easter or beyond that, and you can use those at any point uh, throughout the year. We want you to take those and to ask the Lord, who would you have me to give these to? Maybe you're out going out to eat after after, uh, church today to give those. Uh, Use those and let God uh, direct you in all those areas. We love you. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you, and thank you, Tim, for the challenge. And help us to not only to hear that, but to embrace that and uh, go in the grace of God this morning. Amen? 
Amen.